So I sent out the Sicha, it's a Sicha in Hebrew. And a Sicha which captures a very unique lesson about Hanukkah, based on the Tefillah which we say, Va'al Hanisim. So, Betfilas Va'al Hanisim, the Tefillah Va'al Hanisim that we say on Hanukkah, later you should look in a Siddur and see this inside. So we, in Va'al Hanisim, which is one of the important expressions of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, because the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, it says in the Gemara and Shabbos, that Kavum Va'asam Yom Tevim Lahalal Ullahayda. In other words, the expression of Hanukkah is the Halal Vahayda, the praise of Hashem that we say during this Yom Tov. So Va'al Hanisim is the way that we're fulfilling the essential celebration that Hanukkah is about. This is as opposed to, for example, Purim, where on Purim there's a mitzvah of Mishta v'simcha, but there's no such yamtiv, there's no such mitzvah in the yamtiv of Hanukkah of Mishta v'simcha. There's only, only Halal v'hayda. So Va'al Hanisim, which we say in Davening, thanking Hashem for the miracles which He did for us, is part of the expression of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, as we said. And in this tefillah we say the following, Masarta Giburim Biyad Chalashim, Hashem gave over Giburim mighty Biyad Chalashim in the hands of weak, Rabim Biyad Ma'atim, many in the hands of few, Tmeim biyad tahirim, impure in the hands of pure, Rishoim biyad sadikim, evil in the hands of righteous, and Zaidim, sinners, biyad oiske teresacha, in the hands of those who study your Torah. Five expressions in which Hashem saved the Jewish people. But there's an obvious question which you have when you look at these five expressions. Because of these five expressions, how many are obviously miraculous? Two. Two. There's mighty in the hands of weak and many in the hands of few. The others are an expression of the purity, the righteousness, of the Jewish people, but what does that have to do with a miracle in battle? Ukvarto. I thought the other three would be plus ones for the Yidin and like not reasons they would lose or something like that. These aren't. If anything, you're right. If anything, those are reasons that the Yidin should win. Yeah. Good. So it's not expressing the miracle of Hanukkah as much as why the Jews won, but in Va'al Anisim we're expressing what a great, wondrous miracle Hashem performed for us. Ukvartamu Mefarshiat Vilas. The Mefarshiat Vilas, the commentaries on the Tvila, on the Siddur, already wondered. The last three of these Sugim. Seemingly, this isn't expressing the effect of the miracle. The tumma, vitara, 
impurity and purity, rishoim v'atzadikim, evil and righteous, zeidim v'ayisketerisecha, sinners and those who study Torah, enam me'inyone gvura v'chulsha, they are not in the subject of might and weakness, to consider, to consider, the winning over of the tahirim, of the pure, over the impure, as a miracle. So the Sikha says that yes, Shetertsu, there are some that answer this question, some gesund. According to the teaching of the Gemara, that man chulin rabbanon. Man chulin, who are chulin? Chulin means, um, it's the opposite of kaidish. So you have a holy day, a special day, and chulin is a plain day. Who are plain, or in this context, weak? Patlanim, the rabbanon, the chachamim. The Afilu Bibriusan Hain Shusheikh Kayach Mipneshatura Matashas Kaikam. Even Bibriusan Hain Shushe Kayach, they are weak. Mipneshatura Matashas Kaikam. So this stereotype of the Yeshiva student not being able to fight, etc. It's already a statement of the Gemara. Man Khulin Rabbanan. Talmud Chacham is weak by nature. Why is he weak by nature? Shehatera matashas kaycham. Tera weakens you. If you're studying Tera and Yeshiva, the study should exert you. To, it, it exerts you to the point that you literally don't have energy left. For other things, there's the famous story in the Gemara of Rabbi Yechanan and Rishlakish that Rabbi Yechanan was bathing in the river and Rishlakish was a bandit, a thief, a strong man. He was walking and he saw someone bathing in the river and he saw that they were extremely beautiful. Rabbi Yechanan was very, very beautiful. And he thought that it was a woman so he jumped over the river, the whole river, in order to be able to see Rabbi Yechanan's beauty. And he saw that it was a man, it wasn't a woman. Rabbi Yechanan told him that if you do tshuva and start learning Torah, use your chelach la'iraisa, use your power, your strength for learning Torah, then I will, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the, 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 the subject, the, the conversation. First, Rishlakish said to Rabbi Yechanan, he said that your beauty is for women. You have such beauty and it should be for a woman, not for a man. So Rabbi Yechanan responded to Rishlakish, chelach la'iraisa. Your strength, your power should be for studying Torah. And he promised him that if he uses his strength for Torah, he'll let him marry his sisters even more beautiful than he is. And Rishlakish agreed. 
and he uh, he decided right then and there to do tshuva, and he became the great sage, Rishlakish, the brother-in-law of Rabbi Yechanan, the Bar Plukt of Rabbi Yechanan, they would argue together in discussing and in uh, refining the halacha. And he tried then to go back to where he was going, to jump back over the river, and he landed in the middle of the river. He couldn't jump back across. The Gemara over there says that just the commitment to study Torah already weakened his Kayach. Now this is a practical, physical thing, and it's also a Ruchnistika thing. You have within you two nefashes. You have a nefesh alikis and a nefesh habahamis. Your nefesh alikis has kayach, it has power, and your nefesh habahamis has kayach. If you allow your nefesh alikis to be the one which has most of the kayach inside of you, then your nefesh habahamis will have less kayach. If you allow your nefesh abhamis to have most of the kayach, then your nefesh alikis won't be as strong. You don't have full power in both. You're not going to completely indulge in the world and still be completely absorbed in Yiddishkeit. It doesn't work that way. It's one or the other. Torah mateshes kaycham. Torah weakens the strength, the power of a Talmud Chacham. Vinimsa, so that means that those who study Torah are weak. So therefore, it's in fact a miracle that a bunch of yeshiva students were able to win a battle against a mighty army. Vinimsa sheyesh gam b'inyanim elu gvura v'chulsha. So the Mepharshim, the commentaries explain that also in these things there are ideas of gvura, of strength, v'chulsha, and weakness. V'gavru mikayach hanes hachaloshim ala gibayim. And as a result of the miracle, mikayach hanes, as a result of the miracle, gavru, they won over hachaloshim, the weak, al hagibayim, over the mighty. Ulafiza, according to this, Ein kan bir al All we have over here is an additional explanation on that which we said giburim biat In other words, we said two categories: many in the hands of we of few, and and mighty in the hands of weak. Now, to demonstrate the mighty in the hands of weak, we're saying, by the way, they were yeshiva students. The Maccabees. The Maccabees. Because they were yeshiva students, that emphasizes even more that they were weak. Didn't they not have some farmers in their ranks? They had all sorts of Jews, but they were Torah studiers. This that the Yidin were weak. It's not because this was the nature of their bodies necessarily. It's because they were studying Torah, that's why they were weak. Even a farmer who sits and dedicates himself to the study of Torah will also become weaker. So this might be something which doesn't sit well 100%. You study Torah, you become weak. But this is the reality. Torah takes away our strength. 
But the Rebbe is not satisfied with this explanation. Um, however, the Rebbe says that in addition to the fact that according to this it does not emphasize the greatness of the miracle. What's the difference? Mahi, what is Sibas, the reason of the weakness and the strength? Also in the subject itself, according to its simple explanation, it's difficult to explain. This idea is relevant only to those that Torah is their entire umnus, their entire trade is Torah. Their entire involvement is Torah. This doesn't mean that anybody that opens up a Sicha or anybody that opens up a Chumash, a Mishnayis, is automatically weaker because he's studying Torah. If somebody is dedicated to Torah to the point that the Torah is his life, then the Torah makes him weaker. If so, then we have Yosef's question. Besides for this, we still need explanation for the other two. So this will just explain sinners in the hands of those who study Torah. It won't explain impure in the hands of pure and evil in the hands of righteous. There is not emphasized in them their advantage as Torah studiers. The fact that they're pure doesn't mean that they study Torah. The fact that they're righteous doesn't mean that they study Torah. Of course, you can't be righteous or pure without studying Torah and knowing what to do, but it doesn't emphasize that aspect. Also with regard to sinners in the hands of those who study your Torah, it's difficult to explain this. Key because doichik leimar, it's a doichik, it's a forced explanation to suggest shekol Like Yosef asked, it's difficult to imagine that you had an entire army of only yeshiva students. There were other Jews that joined the army, other religious Jews that wanted to fight for freedom of religion, that wanted to fight for the ability to be able to be shaymre teiru mitzvahs without restrictions. They too joined the army of Matisyo Ubanov, of Matisyo and his sons. So they should not have been weakened just from the fact that they were dedicated to Teira in their lives, but not in their everyday involvement where they study in Torah day and night. So again, we have a question. In Va'al HaNisim, there are five expressions. Two of the expressions emphasize the miracle. Three of the expressions seem not to. We gave an answer why studying Torah makes a person weak. But we said that first of all, 
that doesn't help for the other two expressions. So we still have two expressions in Vala Nisim that don't seem to emphasize the miracle. Second of all, even that answer itself only applies to people who study Torah day and night. So how does that help us for the soldiers in the army of Matisio Ubanov that were that had other professions? Ubefrat and especially Al Maimer Chazal, according to the teaching of Chazal, Shalimali David, if not for David. Yayev would not have been able to battle. And this is something which we find in other places as well. But this statement in the Gemara in Sanhedrin is explained over there that David, the merit of David, David, it stood for Yayev in his battle. In other words, Yayev, who was a brilliant general in David's army, and he was one of the main campaigners who conquered Eretz Yisrael for David HaMelech. He conquered the entire land for David. But in what merit did he conquer it? Not because of his powerful army and not because of his brilliant strategy, which both were true. He had a wonderful army and he had brilliant strategy, but that was not what allowed him to be victorious. It was in the merit of David HaMelech who was sitting in his palace and studying Torah in the most beautiful and deep ways that that is what allowed Yehiv to be victorious in battle. Shemizem move on from this it's understood that at the time of battle al talmide chachamim with regards to those who study Torah the rabbanon hachayv the the obligation is to strengthen even more so in studying Torah we find this also by by others by Moshe Rabbeinu in the battles that he fought, and by Yeshua and the battles that he fought, etc. That it's always emphasized that for a Jewish army to think that that it's the strength of my power, of my energy, that I'm able to win wars is something which is taking the army way off in the wrong direction. Because the Jewish army must know that it's Torah study that allows you to win. Of course you have to go out into battle. But when you go out into battle, that's only to do the practical action. But it's the merit of the Torah study and Hashem Yilochem Lochem and the Ebishter who is battling for you that allows the the person to be victorious, just like a person going out into business and earning money, it's also the same idea. It's the study of Torah that allows him to earn money, not his investments, etc., that he's making or his um, training, etc. It's necessary for the Talmud Chachamim to involve themselves more in Torah in order that their merit should Tagain should protect Al Anshiatsava on the army Hanulchamim that are battling Vaadirabba. On the contrary, Davkabaza Talui Nitzachin Hamulchama. It's specifically in this, meaning in the merit of having someone who is studying Torah, who's involved in the right thing, that they're able to be victorious. 
seemingly we have to understand the explanation of Zaydim sinners in the hands of those who study Torah, the explanation is not that all of the soldiers were Rabbanon, that their Torah was their umnas. It's that the commanders, those who were directing the war, they were the ones who were the rest were just from Jews who wanted to battle for the freedom of religion. So the Rebbe says it would be more it would be more appropriate to explain that when it says those who are involved in Torah it's not talking about those who study Torah day and night which those were indeed the but those who were fighting the war they were Jews from all walks of life so when it says, it doesn't mean those who study Torah day and night. It's not just those who, Torah is their trade. Rather, all those who study Torah, even business people who just have certain times that they're, that they study Torah, they have an hour in the morning that they study Torah, an hour in the evening that they study Torah, all of them are included in this category in Va'al Hanisim of those who are And this is obvious. Why? Because this morning, when you woke up, you said Brachis. Amongst the brachis that you said, you said Birchis And one of the brachis of Birchis that you said finished off with the words, La Which means that the concept of La doesn't mean to study Torah day and night. Because this bracha is made by every single Jew. By a Jew who is a yeshiva student and who's going to study Torah day and night. And by a Jew who is going to work and he has a few minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the morning that he's able to study, a few minutes in the evening, half an hour in the evening that he's able to study. And nevertheless... He still makes the bracha which means that the concept of applies to him as well. So he too is in the category of So we're moving away from the whole premise that are those who are entirely involved in Torah. And because they're entirely involved in Torah, therefore they're naturally weaker. And therefore it's a greater nace, it's a greater miracle. We're moving away from that premise. And we're saying that that's not necessarily the case. That Iske Teresacha includes every single Jew, even the farmers, even the stock investors, even the real estate traders, even the shoemakers. And furthermore, we can say that the language of of those who are involved in your Torah, not those who study your Torah, there's a difference. It doesn't say it says what's the concept of in contrast to being involved in Torah in contrast to studying Torah 
Khan over here, we're not over here describing the involvement in the study of Torah. Somebody who is busy doing mitzvahs is also an He's also involved in Torah. He's involved in spreading Torah. He's involved in living with Torah. Even if his entire day is not dedicated to the study of Torah. After all, the mitzvahs that we perform are the objective of our study. As it says in the Gemara, study which brings to action. And that's why they're called those who are involved in Torah, not those who study Torah. Because those who study Torah, those are those who study Torah. This is something which is relevant to a person's intellect. And intellects are different. Some people have stronger intellects, some people have weaker intellects. That's equal by every single Jew. Every single Jew is involved in Torah. He loves Torah. He wants Torah. He lives Torah. This indicates that a person with all of his matters and all of his powers is involved in Torah. Not just with his intellect, with his life, with his being, with his self. He walks, he dresses, he talks, he lives. A life of Torah. That's oiske Torah It's much deeper and much more all-encompassing than leim de Torah sacha. When somebody studies with the objective to do, but even shekolas yisov bechol ramachi verb in a way that all of his actions in all of his two hundred and forty-eight limbs should be according to the lessons, the instructions, the direction of Torah. Okay? According to this, it's, un, it's, it's answered in a simple sense the question of the Mepharshim, of the commentaries. Why does it say Zaydim, sinners, in the hands of those who study Torah? And it doesn't say. Um, two contrasting things, like it says by all of the other things. It says, weak, and mighty, excuse me, in the hands of weak, right? Those are two opposites. Yeah? Huggy-buggy opposites. It's a book I used to read to my kids. Um, mighty in the hands of weak. Many in the hands of? Few. few. Um, pure, uh, impure in the hands of? Pure. Sinners in the hands of righteous. All of those are opposites. Then it says sinners in the hands of Torah studiers, if you understand it as Torah studiers. Sinners, Torah studiers, what's the connection? Those aren't two opposites. You have someone who studies Torah, someone who sins, they're not connected. But Lefianal, according to what we explained, that Oiske Torah doesn't mean those who study Torah. It means those who... Who live Torah? So gam baba zuhu davar Then also this baba, this statement is also a davar vifuchay, something on its opposite. The oiske teirasecha heim hamekayim as mitzvah Those who are involved in Torah are those who are mekayim. They fulfill 
the mitzvahs of Torah. Hepech hazeidim, the opposite of the sinners, ha'ivim bezadin al-tzivah Torah, who willingly, that's the word zeidim, is not just a sinner, but someone who is deliberately sinning, Someone who is deliberately transgressing is the opposite of someone who is dedicating his life to a life of Torah. Right? So now it's opposites. But it being opposites, Hadra Kushya Ladukhta returns the question to its place. Hadra Kushya, the question returns the Dukhta to its place. Mahu Hanes, what is the miracle? So we're left with our original question. How are the last three a miracle? The first two are a miracle, but the last three don't seem to be. Good? Baiter? Okay. Ice base. Seemingly, we can say the mashakas of utmeim biyata hayim chulu koi al mashakas of lefneza. When it says impure in the hands of pure, it's referring to that which it says earlier, earlier in the paragraph of al hanisim, where we're describing the events of the miracle. We relate over there that kisha am da malchus yavan harishal amchi israel when the Greek kingdom stood against the nation of the Yidin and their objective was, as we learned in the Maimer, to cause us to forget the Torah and to cause us to transgress mitzvahs. That's what they tried to do. The Hainu that that means. Not a simple battle in the in 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 the basic sense. al hadas. They were religious edicts. They were religious gzeris, which they they were passing against us. In other words, it wasn't a physical persecution as much as a spiritual persecution, as we've discussed. It was a melchama ruchnis. It was a spiritual battle. It was a battle against our right to be yidin connected to Torah, not our battle, a battle against our right to exist. Umizem muvan. According to this, it's understood. Shetior nitzchaynam shall Yisrael shall acharze. Tior, the description of nitzchaynam of the victory of the yidin that comes afterwards. Tzarech lichla loyrakas nitzchayn melchames ansheatzava. It needs to describe not only the physical victory of the battle, but also, on the contrary, primarily, that's why three is opposed to two, the, the spiritual victory. Because after all, we said and we spoke at length how the Hanukkah, the, the, the Hanukkah time, the time, the era of Hanukkah, the battle of Hanukkah wasn't against the physical existence of the Yidin, but against the rights of the Yidin to be able to connect to that which is higher, that which is beyond, to the Abishter, to learn Torah, to be Yidin. Therefore, in Va'al Hanisim, it makes sense that we should put emphasis on the victory in this spiritual battle, hiskabros al hagzeris, a victory over these decrees, ubitulon, and a negation of them, that the Jews were once again able to 
practice their religion without anyone telling them what they can and can't do. Therefore, we say all of these three descriptions. This is in order to emphasize and it's in order to describe the spiritual victory of the Yidin, even though this isn't a miraculous victory per se, because miraculous is something which is inside of nature, which would be more relevant to a physical victory, but nevertheless, it's the most important victory that took place on Hanukkah. Okay? But we're not going to be satisfied with this answer, of course, either. Seemingly, the Rebbe says, it's again a doichik, a forced answer to explain that these details that we say in, in continuation of they're not part of the miracles. If we're saying it in the statement of and we're saying, but yeah, it's a spiritual expression, it's a spiritual expression. That means it's not Valanisim. So it doesn't seem satisfying that these three descriptions are merely a description of the spiritual victory that the Jews experienced then at that time, but it doesn't connote, it doesn't express any miraculous, supernatural victory as well. So, we're still by our question. Why are there three descriptions that don't seem miraculous? That don't seem supernatural? The question bothers you, parrots? You want to know the answer? Not so much. Yeah, A little. I, know, uh, I have another question. You have another question? Yeah. Uh, we need Mashiach to come. Tish be yataris kushyus be boys. That's taiku. Tishri, you tired, cushious, we boys. Right. Anyways, the, in answering this question, the Rebbe takes a very surprising turn. And the lesson that we derive from that is a very powerful lesson. So, first, the surprising turn. We could explain the answer to this is. It's known from the history of those days. Even though the decrees against the Jewish religion, which the Yevanim, the, the Yevanim um, uh, put into force against us to cause us to forget Hashem's Torah, to cause us to transgress mitzvahs. They were decreed practically by the kingdom of the evil Yevanim, as we say in Valanisim. That they decreed decrees against the Jewish people. They negated their religion. When they saw a Jew who was keeping Shabbos, 
who was keeping with Shredesh. They tortured them to death. When they saw a woman who was giving her child a bris milah, they tied the baby to the mother, to the mother's neck and dragged them through the streets like that until both of them passed away. They knocked down our doors. They didn't allow us to live in peace. I told you they had us right on the horns of our cows, of our bulls. That they wanted to pervade into our education of little babies, which is what the horn represents, a baby bottle. They wanted to to cause that their culture and their perversion should seep in and should affect us deeply. It was a terrible, terrible era where being a Jew was so difficult. If you wanted to study Torah, you needed dreidels. You needed to be able to hide from the government. The Jews were living in caves. The religious Jews, they were living in caves. They couldn't live in the city anymore because it was literally, there was Big Brother watching you wherever you were. They didn't allow us any privacy and the Jews that wanted to be firm, they had to go live in caves. And because entering into a cave with an army is something which is almost impossible, the Yivanim came up with a scheme in how to get us out of the caves. They would light a fire at the mouth of the cave so that the cave fills up with smoke so it would be impossible to stay in. And then when the Jews came pouring out, they would kill us as we came pouring out. Life under their oppression was impossible. But Mikal Makim, nevertheless, don't think that it was the Yivanim against the Jews and it was that clear cut. There were many, many Jews. They were called Misyavnim. The Misyavnim were the ones that they were Tsugikumeners, as they're called. They wanted to become Yivanim. And we know that when a Jew tries to become something else, he tries to do it even better than the people whom he's copying, whom he's trying to be like. Shehit starfu la Yivanim. They joined the Yivanim. Not just those who were forced to, but people who were attracted by the constant media of the Yivanim, their billboards, their theaters, their culture seeped into the Jewish people that willingly so many Jews, a majority of the Jews of the time, not just some, a majority, not just a majority, but a vast majority, of the Jews at the time were living like Greeks 
Va'ad to the point Shemiut Bnei Yisrael. It was a small minority of the Jewish people that Nishru that remained Shleimim complete Begiluyim Hashem Begaluyim Hashem in a revealed way with Hashem and Esther. And therefore, the Rebbe explains in a very surprising way. That when we're speaking about the Tmeim Biatahir, Misham Biatadikim, Zaydim Biadeskitar Sacha, we're not speaking about the Yavanim. We're speaking about the Misyavnim. And the fact that the Jews were able to win, to be victorious against the Misyavnim, that's the greatest miracle. That's an even greater miracle than the Rabbim biyad ma'atim and, and uh, the, the many in the hands of few and the Giburim biyad chalashim, the mighty in the hands of the weak that we say earlier. Is it because... You know, we'll see, we'll see. The, the Rabbi is going to explain very specifically and very clearly. Didn't but we have this same problem in communist Russia? We had this problem throughout our history again and again and again. In communist Russia, there was a special um, uh, section of the army that were the the of, of the secret police. What were they called? The Yeviskatskaya. I can't say the word. What? The KGB. Union? No, the 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 Yevis. The, 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 yes. Yes. Whatever. I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce anything in Russian. There must be something wrong with my blood. Anyways, um, can't pronounce their their. Their cities, their names, their anything. <laughs> we need Nasa. <laughs> ah, we need Nasa. Um, so the, the, the yes, there was a, a a portion of the secret police that their entire dedicated purpose was to eradicate Yiddishkeit, Rechman Litzlan, and most of the people in that section of the Jewish of of the anti-Jewish police were Yidden. As we know in the famous story of Yud Beis Tammuz, that the Russia, the soldier who came to arrest the Fidik Rebbe, he called him Rebbe. He called him Rebbe. And the Fidik Rebbe said, your grandfather called my father Rebbe. Your father, my, your grandfather called my father Rebbe. But you have no right to call me Rebbe. In other words, he was a chassid, the child of a chassid. And this we find over and over again, yes, throughout our history, Tanchum, again and again, that it's the Yidin that persecute us, the Yidin, the most. We have it today too. We definitely have it today. We have it today, even in Eretz Yisrael. So this is the greatest miracle. We're going to finish off this idea tomorrow in a very fascinating insight and then a very powerful and relevant lesson from this idea. We'll stop over here for today.